0: I uh, don't know whether I'm on or not, but uh, are you hearing me? All right. Sounds great. Well, uh, as Derwin promised last week, uh, I'm here to unveil all of your spiritual gifts to each one of you so you'll go away fulfilled and know exactly who you are in Christ and all that God's given you. Right? <laughs> Maybe not. Uh, actually, to uh, to uh, have that experience, you should come to the class because I'm gifted, right? He told me, I'm gifted in doing that for you, so you should come and experience uh, that class, and you'll have a better chance of discovering some of your gifts and how they might work uh, in the body of Christ if you come to that, where your passions lie, where where God may have called you and constructed you to participate in building a community of love in this world. Um, so, I hope you come. I hope you come, actually, for a lot of reasons. One of them is so that I can hang out with you a bit. There's a lot of you I don't get a chance to spend any time with, so, you know, we'll be in a smaller group. Who knows, three or four hundred, maybe? Uh, that we, I could, or not, but we will, uh, we'll be able to uh, hang out a bit together. Uh, secondly, uh, I'm looking forward, uh, as just a part of my own gift mix, I get really excited when people discover who they are in Christ a little bit better and get set free to, to just run in those pathways that God has made for them and prepared for them, those good works He's prepared in advance for us to do, and uh, uh, that, that excites me, and I think that's what's going to happen for some of you, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Thirdly, I'm looking forward to that time because this topic, this this reality really of spiritual gifts is extremely dangerous. It's uh, it's dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. It uh, It is the primary way that God has chosen to actually tear down the strongholds that have been built against him. The second way is through, through uh, phones going off during talks. <laughs> no, just kidding. I think. Anyway, uh, it's dangerous. They're dangerous um, because uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says that we have divinely powerful weapons, They're, uh, they destroy arguments, and everything that raises itself against the true knowledge of the true God. And so those things are powerful, and as a result, the kingdom of darkness uh, opposes that and uh, does everything it can to keep, us, keep that power from being released. And so there's confusion, there's conflict, there's division among Christians, uh, around this topic, all the time. And uh, the, you know, spiritual power is described with the word in Greek, uh, God's power. It's called dunamos, is the word in Greek from which we get the word dynamite, right? And like any explosive we handle in this world, we have to do it with, according to the directions, right? According to in the right way, or else we blow up the wrong target, right? And that's the same thing with this power that we have through spiritual gifts. It's God's power, but it has to be handled according to the directions he's given us. So let's pray together toward that end, towards understanding that. Lord Jesus, uh, we've been hearing about uh, the love the Father has for his children recently. Um, we, we don't get that very easily. We, we need you to help us to grasp that in, uh, and carry it in our hearts. And so I pray with the Apostle Paul that you would grant us to know the height and depth and breadth and width of, uh, of uh, length and width of, uh, of your love for us. Lord, would you by the Holy Spirit just open up a window uh, on that for us today? It would help us. So we thank you, Lord, and uh, may uh, may it be so. Amen. Um, I'm going to read a passage of Scripture. There's only four major passages of Scripture that deal with spiritual gifts. Um, we read one good chunk of one last week in 1 Corinthians 12. I'd like to read um, a second, and it's Romans chapter 12. And if you've got your Bibles, great. Call it up on your screens or open up to Romans chapter 12. And, uh, or else just listen. Listen carefully to these precious words. Of course, it's the Apostle Paul speaking, Romans 12, starting in verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Amen. Well, to begin, uh, I'd like to address some of the confusion we might have about Types of spiritual gifts. Um, One of the classifications of those that I found helpful early in my Christian life, I basically broke it down into three gifts, three categories of gifts. And I just want to present it to you for your consideration. Um, The first is what may be called motivational gifts. And these are the core, sort of core, our core um, Way that we approach ministry and the world, and our uh, how we just what makes us tick, how we want to serve, um, make our lives count, and that it's kind of like a a spiritual personality type, um, and they're drawn from the seven list of seven gifts gifts presented in Romans 12. Um, for instance, someone who has the motivational gift of prophet uh, applies the word of God to a situation so that. Sin is exposed and relationships are restored. He or she has a strong sense of right and wrong, and uh, speaks out against compromise and evil. Um, so they're just—it's just the way they approach life. It, what, it's what—it's their sweet spot. It's what they, how they roll. Um, someone with a motivational gift of teaching is passionate about discovering and validating truth. Teacher's particularly concerned with accuracy of information, especially church doctrine, and is often gifted with research abilities. Someone with the gift of exhortation, uh, and this is what really, as I took this, uh, this course that presented this, this is where I really found, uh, found it hit home. Um, Someone with the gift of exhortation wants to see believers grow into spiritual maturity. An exhorter is an encourager at heart, and is often involved in the ministries of counseling, teaching, and discipleship. And we could go on, and I, I, for the sake of time, I'm not going to go through each of those. But uh, the, you know, I invite you, you can Google this, not now. But you can Google it, just Google Motivational Spiritual Gifts, and it'll pop up, and you can find more information uh, of those. And perhaps one of those uh, gifts will fit your uh, experience of, uh, of faith and walk with Christ. Second area is what, uh, second category is that of ministry gifts. And these um, it seems, from, it's taken from Ephesians chapter 4, And it seems that God has ordained certain people to be spiritual gifts to the body of Christ in and of themselves. Um, The list is apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, or pastor-teacher. There's some Greek experts tell us that perhaps that should be understood as a dual role, pastor-teacher. I'm not... Uh, gifted in that area, so I can't tell you the truth uh, of that, but anyway, be that it is May, uh, these are what are listed in Ephesians chapter five. In this case, the gift is a person uniquely equipped by God to fulfill a leadership role in the church, and it's usually they're generally they're recognized they're affirmed by the church in some way officially and uh, set free to Focus on that area of ministry. Be it an evangelist or apostle, overseeing a, a number of churches, uh, and so on. Finally, there might be what are what I've called, and anyway, in this um, categorization, is our, our manifestation gifts, and these are taken from uh, the list in First Corinthians 12, and they include word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, healing. Miracles, prophecy, um, discernment of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. Um, and these... Uh, uh, these are sort of... These seem to be, you know, our manifestation gifts are those events or, or, uh, or ministries that seem to undeniably... some still will deny, they seem to undeniably um, show the presence, manifest presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, there are problems with classifications of spiritual gifts, not the least of which is that some of the lists that we try to construct, uh, well, none of them seem to be complete. For instance, well, the motivational gift of exhortation, when that God described it, yeah, that's that's me. Uh, it seemed to be a wonderful fit. I wonder about the absence of evangelism, for instance, in that uh, motivational gift, or or missionary, for that matter. Evangelism, um, evangelists that I know, then it's never it's never very far. They, they're always thinking about how they can bring the next person to Christ, and they can bring them to that point of decision. Um, so to me, that's kind of a, it's more of a motivational <laughs> type type gift. That's not Necessarily listed here. Um, uh, As for ministry gifts, there are other questions too, but uh, as for ministry gifts, uh, I wonder about the ministry of worship leading. Um, I don't know how to classify the gift of Lincoln's prayer writing, for instance. When he writes a prayer, it helps me, it helps the body of Christ to worship and actually to pray. And Daryl Johnson, who we quote a lot around here, an eminent pastor in the in the city of Vancouver, uh, he encouraged Lincoln to write, put those prayers in a book and publish it for the benefit of all. And I can understand why he would encourage Lincoln to do that. So either in song or constructing a worship service, that seems to be a ministry gift. And uh, yet it's not listed here. And so, you know, we just need to... Uh, factor that in. Uh, and in general, um, uh, well, when we talk about about um, manifestation gifts, you could say, well, what about the gift of casting out demons, exorcism? Um, that happens from time to time, and actually it needs to happen from time to time. I'm not volunteering for that, but it it is a thing. It's a real thing. Or even the gift of celibacy or martyrdom. These things are described as charisms in the New Testament. Uh, Celibacy is uh, called a spiritual gift by Paul, as he referred to himself. So, I doubt if any classification scheme could be called indisputably correct or complete, the spiritual gifts inventory that we'll be using in the discovery class, uh, which I hope you're all going to come to, right? Did I make that clear? Uh, uh, it, we're going to be using a list of 27 gifts. Uh, but the attempt made by many scholars is done with the recognition that there are different kinds of gifts. There are different types of gifts. And uh, you know, the spiritual gift of evangelist or apostle, it's different. In type than the spiritual gift of speaking in tongues, right? It's a it's a different type of thing, and so scholars try and, and uh, sort that out. And uh, I don't blame them for that. It's just that uh, there's ambiguity here, and we uh, we shouldn't pretend there isn't. And you know, we have to hold things hold our things a little bit loosely in this area. In general, it's what are called manifestation gifts, under the model I've presented, or sign gifts, as other people might call them, um, that create the most controversy, With at least within North American evangelicalism. Um, some groups embrace the nine gifts to the virtual exclusion of all else, right. and others uh, deny their validity of these manifestation gifts altogether. They've passed away. They aren't to be expected uh, in our day. So you should probably be aware that here at Hillside, we affirm that these manifestation gifts are available here and now to believers in our day. The Holy Spirit is still at work among his people in these ways. Um, Many of us uh, have experienced the reality at, at various times in our Christian lives Uh, Many of us, including myself, speak in tongues as a personal uh, prayer language. Um, My own point of view is that there likely is some truth to the motivational gift concept, Um, however incomplete a systematization of it might be. uh, We do seem to have basic patterns of spiritual motivation, things that drive us, things that uh, get us, you know, giving. Oh, man, I'm going to just manage my resources or have more to give and some people are actually like that can you believe it? It's true it's actually true spiritual gift of giving and, uh, and there are those we recognize as having apostolic or evangelist gifts and we go right go do it we lay hands on them we say we get behind them we support their ministries and we say we say go um, but but uh, I think, and, and I think that those two types of spiritual gifts, the uh, ministry gifts and motivational gifts, they're, kind of, they're hardwired into us by the Holy Spirit as we become Christians, and they take advantage of all of our, the whole of our life, our experience, our personality, the way that we're going to uh, uh, express the love of God to the world. Um, it's all part of that. And as we exercise those gifts... Uh, we find both joy and effectiveness to a far greater degree than when we attempt to serve in other areas uh, of that we're not gifted in. Not that we shouldn't experiment to uh, to explore what gifts we might have, we should. Uh, but once we've found where our sweet spot is, then we should just be, just go for it. We should be set free to, because that's where we're going to be most effective, and that's where we're going to, find the most joy uh, in our lives. This is part of our, part of our, one of our core values as a church, uh, is that, is life-giving service. Um, We want you to find a place of sustainable, life-giving service, those good works that God has prepared in advance for you to do, not someone else, you, when you're in that place, uh, there's joy, there's effectiveness, There's power, uh, the very power of God released. Now, when it comes to manifestation gifts, prophecy, extraordinary faith, um, you know, we all have faith, but I love, I just loved my friend J.R. Henderson, he's from Oklahoma, Uh, his definition of the, the spiritual gift of faith. And he said, it's, it's the supernatural conviction that God is about to do the impossible. <laughs> and he, he was part of a healing ministry, and, and he said when, he, when God was about to heal someone through him, he'd have that come over him. And he just knew God was about to do the impossible. And, uh, and he would. Um, How did I get off on that? Anyway. But, <laughs> but these manifestation goods, are gifts... Um, uh, they are, uh, they're where most of the controversy uh, centers. Uh, we can't earn them. Otherwise, they wouldn't be gifts, right? They're, they're given. We can't control them in terms of turning them on and off as we will. That's what God's job is. And, and we don't get them because we want them. As, and as with anything we can't control, That makes us uncomfortable, uh, doesn't it? There's mystery here, and it's that of the very sovereignty of God. We might as well ask, you know, why did God save me? Which I've done it, and why did he save me and not this other person? Which he didn't and hasn't yet. Uh, It's the sovereignty of God, and that's an area that we, uh, that's outside of our understanding. In spite of us and our wants and objections, the spirit blows where he wills, and we sometimes see the evidence of it in these manifestation gifts. To take us a little further in this, I'd like to tell you a story, a true story. It um, was told to me, related to me, by two friends on two different occasions. The first time I heard the story, it was told me by Roxanne Brundle, who was a colleague of mine as I served at a church, a New Life Community Church, a very similar church to this. Um, and she, we were away at a retreat, I think a staff elders retreat, and she, uh, we were asked, when was the time that you saw a God answer prayer? Well, her, she just jumped into that. Jesus says, well, and began to tell a story about, she was a youth pastor at Knox Presbyterian Church in Sapperton, and she organized a youth retreat. And uh, she had heard of Fellow called Kevin Holt, who some of you may know here. He served here in, in the areas of youth and adult ministry in the days predating um, Hillside Community Church. Well, Roxanne had heard about Kevin, so she invited him to come and speak at her youth retreat of twenty twenty-five kids, and uh, Kevin agreed to come. Among that group uh, was uh, I, among Roxanne's group was a, a young man. A, Teen, uh, early, early teens, who uh, who had tremendously crooked teeth, like they were really, really bad, really a disfigured mouth, and it was he was so self-conscious about it. Understandably, you could probably understand that, that he uh, he rarely smiled, and uh, r- rarely even actually looked anybody in the eye. He was just so um, self-conscious about this. Well. Kevin, as he is wont to do, as he starts to speak, he stops in the middle and says, you know, I really feel like God wants to heal somebody here. So I'm just going to invite Jesus to do that. So, so he did. He said, Jesus, come and heal who you'd like to heal here today. Uh, and Roxanne said there was an audible crack in the room. It wasn't that big a room. But, uh, there was a crack uh, sound. And nobody really knew what was going on or anything, so... Kevin just uh, carried on with his talk, finished. And at the end of the session, this, this young guy comes up to Roxanne and says, you know, I, I think God did something to my mouth. And you know what he did? He straightened his teeth. Can, can you imagine the door to life that was open to that young man in that moment? What a change. What a, cha- what a way to uh, change in the way to, he's going to relate to the world—it's all opened up before him now. What a beautiful, beautiful thing. Well, uh, a number of years later—seven, six, eight, ten—I don't know. I'm getting old and I lose track of time. But it was a number of years later. I ran into Kevin. I knew him from high school. He was my—he uh, played basketball with my brother. And So we started chatting, and I don't know if somehow we, I, I might have said that I uh, worked with Roxanne and. And, and he, without being bidden, just jumped into the, oh, Roxanne, oh, you know what? She invited me to, to speak at this youth retreat. And, and he went on to describe this event of this guy getting his teeth straightened. Only he said, you know what? I'd forgotten all about my commitment. I slept in, and I, I was, you know, I, and either he woke up just at 10 to nine, he was supposed to be there at nine, or else Roxanne had to call him and say, uh, are you coming, Kevin? Or I'm not sure what the details are there. But he'd he'd forgotten all about it. But but anyway, made it there and then just started talking and and uh, this this happened. Now he told me, you know, this this kid. He, he described it in exactly the same terms that Roxanne did. Anyway, and uh, uh, a story like that. Now just it it can bring up a myriad of responses, right? Um, unbelief you know you may choose not to believe it that's not a choice for me because I know these people Uh, they weren't lying they they just weren't Uh, but why did God heal this one guy and not others or why did he use Kevin Holt and not his Roxanne this fellow's youth pastor and, uh, and how on earth could he impart blessing like that through a guy who almost missed the whole event through his own negligence, right? I mean, come on, God, that's not fair, right? And why Kevin Holt? Why not me? Why can't I do that? We tend to spiral down into questions like that uh, often. And... Uh, that type of self-absorption at the, f- at, at the base of our understanding of spiritual gifts leads into the greatest dangers of the exercise of powerful, God-given gifts, be it evangelism, healing, prophecy, the, the, the big upfront ones, you know, that we think are so great um, and really are, are, are great. And that danger is self-deception see, the Bible tells us that God's gifts are given without repentance. That is, he doesn't give them conditionally. Doesn't make them better when we're good. He doesn't take them away when we're bad. We just, um, they're, they're given to us by grace. He trusts and trusts them to us. They're unmerited, unearned, undeserved, but freely given. Yet what we've seen through the decades of my adult life is that extraordinarily gifted and effective men and women have looked to the fruitfulness of these their gifted ministries and used them as a, uh, used that fruitfulness as a justification for a myriad of sins. Uh, used it as justification for their pet theologies, right? Or uh, just outright immorality of every sort and so we've seen some of the biggest names in christianity locally and around the world um, fall into public disgrace as their long-time habits habits that they'd carried on through these great effective public ministries uh, come to light now works something like this look if what I'm doing in my private life is that wrong, how could my ministry be so blessed? People are being healed or coming to Christ or are being helped by, uh, to grow spiritually through my ministry. God must know and accept my weaknesses as just human frailty, and he sees I can't help it, and so they carry on. Self-deception until it all comes crashing down and one's sin is inevitably found out and you know we could list those names Billy Graham isn't one of them by the way Uh, but you could uh, you could list uh, to my sorrow uh, dozens of others so how do we guard against such self-deception when God pours out his gifts with power upon us We've been asking for that, right? We've been asking for God to pour out his gifts on you, on us, with power. That's what we want because we believe it will bring God glory. So how do we defend against self-deception? Perhaps it would help if we remembered what spiritual gifts are all about. Uh, I spoke about this in May of 2014. Uh, apparently. That's what my computer tells me. Anyway, almost five years ago. Doesn't seem that long. Seems like a couple years ago. Again, I'm getting old and faint in my memories. But anyway, uh, spiritual gifts are actually all about love. They're all about love. What a gift of love Jesus gave to that young man that day. What a, what a gift of love to have your, your teeth straightened and be able to face the world in a whole new way. Um, what a gift of joy he gave to Kevin and even to Roxanne who organized the whole thing uh, to be able to be part of that gift giving. And what an impact it had on the members of that group. They could never take the name of Jesus lightly again, could they? Could you? They'd seen Jesus do something so good, so kind. Spiritual gifts are gifts of joy and grace to those who receive and use them. Stirwin shared last week, uh, they are an intimate transaction Uh, As God gives you spiritual gifts, it's an intimate transaction between a loving Heavenly Father and a dearly loved child. He knows everything about you, and He's giving you a precious, precious gift of love. Um, Spiritual gifts should never be spoken of apart from the goal and context of divine love. Okay, spiritual, never speak about spiritual gifts without talking about the goal and context of love. Please. I say that because God never does. Okay, there, as I said, there are four places where the New Testament talks about spiritual gifts. In each one of them, love is front and center. Uh, in, from 1 Corinthians 12 to 14, right in the center. 1 Corinthians 13, right? The love chapter that we quote at, what, 75, 80, 90% of weddings? Love The love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. It's, it's the whole context of spiritual. And yet somehow we say, oh, spiritual gifts, oh yeah. 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. Ah, uh, no. <laughs> it, this front and center is... Is 1 Corinthians 13, and so that's one section. I, I read First uh, Corinth, or sorry, Romans chapter 12, and we here we separate love off in another chapter, but it follows right on, uh, right on uh, this list of gifts. Okay, so. Uh, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. It goes through prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, giving, leading, uh, acts of mercy. And then it says immediately, let love be genuine. Let love be genuine. Abhor what's evil. Love one another with a brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. That's all in the context of the body all in the context of love, letting love be genuine. We let love be genuine by serving our gifts, serving one another with our gifts in these these ways, accompanied by brotherly love and so on. It's even more clear in the third of four sections in the New Testament on spiritual gifts, Ephesians chapter 4, Uh, where it says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, and then speaking the truth in love, were to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it's equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Exactly. And then 1 Peter 4, the last of the four sections, briefer, but it starts, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another, as good stewards of of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God whoever serves as one who serves with the strength that God supplies in order that every in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ we're to love one another using our gifts to do it so that God can be glorified now it's the glory and genius of God in gifting us uniquely and giving us an indispensable role in His body. This body is one in which we need one another to exercise our gifts, as we read, uh, for it to function properly. A body in which we can delight to serve and be delighted when others serve and do things joyfully that we just can't, at least we can't do joyfully. This is what God's plan for His people is all about. And if it doesn't excite us then we're likely to abuse, misuse or simply ignore our spiritual gifts. But isn't it so easy to slide into that morass of selfish preoccupation? Is it it's just is it is when we think about gifts oh I don't have a good gift or I wish I had that gift? Is it just like kids at Christmas time when you're focused on what am i going to get what am i going to get or what did i get what did you get is it really just that because we're like that we're at operating at that level do we just need to grow up maybe as 1 Corinthians 13 implores us to do we unhealthy it's just so easy to unhealthily covet gifts like Kevin demonstrated, and and ask ourselves, we need to ask ourselves, why? When we we do that, when we want something that God hasn't given us, uh, it's covetousness, which is idolatry, actually. And and that's the farthest thing from a loving relationship with Jesus. We want something that He doesn't want to give us. (laughs) Anyway, I used to see a vanity license plate from time to time around town that said, I am gifted. Maybe you saw it too. We are gifted. True. But we need to ask, for what are we gifted? Gifted for what? So, I'm proposing a preface for any definite definition of any particular spiritual gift. I believe it's biblical, I believe it sets the goal and the context of of spiritual gifts, and we need to keep it in our mind uh, whenever we talk about a a definition of a spiritual gift. And it's this, you can wordsmith it if you want, make it better, that'd be fine, but the basics are here. To the glory of God, okay, a spiritual gift of various sorts we're talking about here, definition. To the glory of God, the supernatural ability to take part in building a Community of holy love by bringing an immediate message of God to his people through a divinely anointed utterance, prophecy, uh, communicating information relevant to the health and ministry of the body and its members in such a way that others will learn, teaching, um, cheerfully giving, and so on. But in each case, to the glory of God, the supernatural ability to take part in building a community of holy love by fill in the blank please we have to keep that in mind we have to realize that both the goal is the glory of God and the context is a community of holy love that's where the power can be freely set off right that's where it's safe that's where the directions that God has given us point us right it's not about us Spiritual gifts are about us and Jesus. They're about us and the people Jesus loves. Always. We're to let our light shine, and we can do that best by serving according to our spiritual gifts in order that the world may see the good works that we do and glorify not us, but our Father in heaven. Right? Right? Spiritual gifts are supernatural. They're not normal. They transcend. Uh, Kevin Holt wasn't given glory when that kid's mouth was straightened. God was. That's the operation and the result of a spiritual gift's use. Beyond that, didn't Jesus say somewhere something about the world knowing that we are... His disciples by our love? Yeah, yeah, he did, actually. Before, one of the last things he said before he died. And uh, rose again. And I think the world is waiting and watching for a demonstration of this in our day. We have the opportunity to display it Here and now, through a correct understanding and appropriate use of the spiritual gifts God's given us. Here, at Hillside, in our day, the exercise of God-given spiritual gifts is the primary way we can participate in the miracle of this holy community of love that he's building here and throughout the world. So let's keep on loving each other earnestly. Keep on working properly so that the body can grow itself and build itself up in love. Want to do that? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you, uh, you are uh, all about love. And you uh, want us to to join you in that, in using what you've given us uh, to build a community of holy love that will give you glory and honor. So we invite you to come and fill us afresh, uh, direct our paths, help us to discover our calling in you, and to do it with freedom and joy, that your name might uh, be honored in this world. We pray it in your wonderful name. Amen. Amen. So time's up.